Welcome to Twin Towns Trail Talk, the podcast that talks about the beautiful trails in the upper Midwest and the beautiful souls that love to play on them. And speaking of that, today we have Derek Stewart joins me and he talks about very intimately about trying to pursue his first 100 mile race. And, um, and I'll give you a little example here. Here's uh, Derek. He does a great job of explaining the trepidation we all feel when we sign up for a race. Listen, listen to this little sample. I really want this 100 mile to get done. I want to I want to get over this hump. It's time. So I'm sitting there January 5, I think, is when I signed up for it. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there holding my breath. And uh, Jen's like looking, like looking at me. She goes, what is your problem? And I said, just just hold on. And I closed my eyes and I clicked the button and I said, did it go? And she goes, what? I go, did I just waste my money? Uh, and she goes, waste? And I said, yeah, I signed up for a hundred miler. And she goes, okay, we're at it then. And I said, yeah, we're at it. And then she goes, which one? I said, it's called Mines of Spain. And she's like, we're going to Spain? I go, no, <laughs> it's a little race in Dubuque, Iowa. And it's only... For tonight, I went running through the screen doors of discretion. For I woke up from a nightmare that I could not stand to see. You were wandering out on the hills of Iowa and you were not thinking of me. Welcome, everybody. That was Dar Williams singing Iowa. The thing I always think about with that song is I've heard a lot of crazy concerts at my favorite place, the uh, Minnesota Zoo Amphitheater. But when Dar Williams sang that song at the Zoo Amphitheater, you could just hear a pin drop. Everybody was so, the crowd was so enthralled. Um, everybody was just locked in. And speaking of being locked in, um, I really have a special podcast for you today. It's Derek Stewart. He's talking about his first time ever completing a 100-mile race. We always have you know, people doing amazing things on this podcast, but Derek's really going to go through the process because he did not get his 100-mile race the first time he lined up at the start line. He didn't get it the second line. He just goes through the whole process. You'll just have to listen to the podcast here. I know you'll enjoy it. This was really intimate, and this one gets really good as you get towards the end, so I encourage you to listen all the way to the end. Thank you. Derek, I was looking on the internet for some research. I was interested in um, how many people run, you know, I was just kind of looking up how many people do 100 mile runs for, you know, because I know the world population is 7.7 .7 billion. Mm -hmm. And uh, the internet wouldn't lie, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe this number. It says only 32,600 runners have completed a 100 mile run since 1980. Doesn't, that sounds low. I mean, what do you think? Is that sound uh, It seems low. I think that uh, over the time period that I've kind of even thought about doing a 100-mile race, um, the numbers seem to constantly be increasing as far as what, uh, how many 
how many people are participating in them on a regular basis, but how many of those are repeating, I, I don't really know. But that seems low to me. Too. It seems low to me, and I was going to do a decimal, you know, in a 7.7 .7 billion, so I could see the percentage. But I think the uh, decimal point would just run off the left side of the page because that would be. Yeah, that's like one 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 millionth of a percent. <laughs> yeah, and so we're always like on this podcast, we're always talking to people that do 100 miles. So maybe it seems more to us because we kind of hang around and stuff. But the reason I had you on this podcast today is, is just for that reason is just like you you were like the most determined you're just so determined to run a hundred miles. <laughs> I just where does that come from? Where did that start? I mean, oh yeah, my story kind of starts a long, long time. Uh, we can we can take kind of my history all the way back to to high school. Um, I got injured my sophomore year of high school and in, in wrestling and. Um, I kind of just wanted to get back to be a varsity wrestler and that was kind of my start to like just drive and drive and drive um to get back um and it just kind of never stopped i had um just this unwilling determination to ever take no for an answer um and it kind of just went right into my right into my adulthood um and to be honest with you every time i got to a spot that i thought you know um I had met my limit I was like well is it though I, I'm still going so I kind of just kept going further and further <laughs> and eventually I came to this conclusion that 100 miles was probably where I needed to go next so um you know it was the first time I ever felt like this taste of failure and that was kind of my reality check that um I'm not infallible <laughs> so so yeah you call it failure so that's what um so how many times have you lined up for a starting line for a 100-mile run before we're going to talk about your your successful one just yeah. a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. But I know you, that wasn't the first one you lined up at the starting line. No. Um, how many times have you got <laughs> at the starting line? Well, actually, I make it sound a lot worse than it really is because, I mean, I, I Superior 100 is my dream race, and I always tell people it's my dream race um, because we have, um, we have this... Um, they have that hoodie, and that hoodie is so important to me to get. And so they got a cool hoodie, huh? They, they have a hoodie, and, and the story goes like this. So, so when the 100-mile dream kind of became more of a reality, because I had people in my life that had ran 100 miles, uh, Kathy Jamber, I don't know if you know her, but Kathy was a big in, instrument in, in even like getting me started because she did Leadville. Um, and then there was Jeff Bostow, who also battled... He did four. Uh, he did nine different Leadvilles and finished Jeez. four out of four. Out, he actually finished four out of the nine. Um, but those were. He told me he always had these epic stories, and these are the people that I started out knowing. Um, but I get. I I told the line. It was back in 2016. Uh, I told the line and did Superior 50 mile, and I see the hoodie there, <laughs> and I thought it was one something that I could buy. And so I asked someone wearing it, I go, How, where do I get that hoodie? And they say, oh, no, you got to earn it. you got to earn it by running the 100. And then the uh -huh. wheels started clicking. And then they never stopped clicking. Um, and that's kind of how the 100-mile dream became true. So it kind of started back in 2015 when I first saw that Superior hoodie. And honestly, it's still a dream of mine to get that <laughs> dang hoodie. So this 100-mile adventure isn't over for me yet. That's such a Duluth thing because I know for the Leadville you get what a belt buckle when you finish and then uh, 
So mm-hmm. for Duluth, you get a hoodie. I think that's pretty fitting. I, I well, gotta... you get a you, you do get a uh, a belt buckle as well. So you get a belt buckle, but the dang hoodie, man, that's that's the thing. And you get one. You only get one, no matter how many times you finish. You oh have, wow! You get the one hoodie, and then they start adding stars for every finish you have. And there's people out there that have twenty stars on their on their oh on their shirt, and I'm, I I want that shirt so bad because I feel like that's such an elusive club. Um. Maybe that is the thirty-two thousand six hundred that we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thirty-two thousand six hundred people have tried for the hoodie, but <laughs> yeah, maybe that's all it was. So, okay, so that was, so that was superior. Now you do realize that the now the Superior Hundred that's like one of the hardest one hundred mile races. I mean, I know people from the West Coast who make fun of us Midwesters for, you know, running on the flatlands. I know they have difficulty running the Superior, right? I mean, that's that's crazy terrain. You asked Andy Lon about that a couple of weeks ago when you had him on, too. And, <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually kind of crazy because um, I, I always saw it as my nearby home, you know? So, like, Superior for me was the place to go to get... To get it didn't matter that Superior was so difficult, but it's kind of like my home away from home when... My mom even asked me, she says, why, why is this race so important? And I said, well, Superior just holds a piece of my heart. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's historic. It's just everything there is about a race and everything about an area. I just, I love Superior Hiking Trail. Um, but I kind of put that to the side with COVID, uh, that Superior Hiking Trail 100 mile dream aside. But yeah, everyone has difficulty out there. It's, rocks roots and everything in between and there's a release there's a reason that john has the slogan of relentless remote and uh it's just that that it's always that way there it's just never it's never ending so okay so that you said 2016 was your first time that was my superior 50 mile i've I've finished superior 53 times including on my training for mines of spain yeah, so I did 2015 and 2016. I did Superior 50. Uh, those are my first two 50-mile races. People also have told me that that was probably a stupid route for 50 miles as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I... So, okay, I know you live down here in the metro area. So, like, did you train with somebody that was experienced? Did you get a running book? I mean, how the first time you ran a 50, what, what, did, what was your training plan? <laughs> um... There wasn't one. <laughs> that's my that's my plan. You're stealing um, my plan. Yeah, the the uh, you know it was like I knew I had this hundred mile dream. So basically, rewind it back to 2015 and I'm signed up for I signed up for the lottery for Leadville 100 because that's where I wanted to go or that's what I thought I wanted to go to do my my hundred mile race. I didn't get in on the lottery. I got super disappointed. So then I just kind of like signed up for Superior 50. I was like, oh, if I could do Leadville 100, Superior 50, (laughs) that should be no problem. So I kind of just winged it for at least a good, you know, month, month and a half. And then eventually I was like, I should probably get a training plan together. So I put something together. Um, I I have this book that I read. It's called... um, Oh, boy. It's by Byron Place. It's called uh, Relentless... Oh, goodness, I can't remember the name of it all of a sudden, but that book had training plans in it, and so I just took 
his training plan for oh relentless forward progress that's the name of the book um okay. and i took that i took that 50 mile plan he had in there and i just went with it i was about five and a half weeks behind and i just took it at the six weeks and, and just went with it um you know so in this book that i was reading uh they did say that uh being brave is about feeling fear and getting stuck stuck into it anyway and they say, and there's three in, in this book as well. They say there's three reasons you do this. You either have too little time. It's a gross underestimated, uh, gross underestimated ability of the challenge, or you're just effing nuts. And sometimes it's all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I got it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I've always kind of seen myself as a brave person that takes on way too much. In hopes that everything goes fine, but yeah, that that uh, I was just reviewing that book, and that was one thing that I saw today. I was like, oh yeah, I highlighted that for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that just reminds me that I mean, like this ultra running sport is so young. I remember when I was looking back before, like even like over a decade ago, you'd have I'd almost like get a marathon training book and you'd have to double it. Like if you wanted to run a 50 or whatever, you know, it just, you had to kind of figure it out on yourself. Mm -hmm. now, they, now they do have more resources and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that was, so you ran the 50, you said three times. Yeah. My last one was actually just this past year. I uh, finished second to dead F dead effing last. So that was DFL was a good feeling. Um, and that was my last big training run before my hundred. But yeah, oh. so I've now finished superior 50 three times. Um, and That's then awesome. I've done, uh, the other 50 I did, uh, was down in Wisconsin. It's called Weedle Farm 50. And that's a cool little race, man. Uh, they, you just run on this person, this, this, these people's farm and they have <laughs> acreage of run and you just run on their farmland oh, and they I have like that. cool trails and it's down in, uh, South kind of South Western or South. Yeah. Southwestern Wisconsin. And, um, it was nearby my, my, where I grew up. So it was, it was a great race to do there too. But so that's my 50 mile oh, wow. done a few of them. Okay. So then now, now kind of about the time I met you, you were kind of gearing up for the hundred. When did you, so you ran the, the couple fifties and then you decided you kind of got the bug to do a hundred. Is that how that works? Or? Well, the bug had already started with the first 50 miler. I mean, I had, I had a dream of Leadville and then, um, and then steps in Kathy again. Um, and, uh, I didn't get into Leadville and, uh, Kathy says, you know, there's all these other races and she, she brings up Sawtooth 100. And I was like, I've never heard of this race. I'd never even heard of it at that time. And so I, I do a little research and I was like, well, you need qualifying standards to do. I can't do that. But if I do the 50, then the following year I could possibly do that 100. So I went and I did superior 50 just basically. So I had a, a race that I qualified for <laughs> to do a, a hundred mile race, uh, up there if I wanted to. And that's actually when I really fell in love with Duluth in general. I mean, it's just, I, I go up there yearly, uh, just to spend time if anything else. I mean, it's just, there's not a dead spot there at all. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful up there. So, so then let's kind of. So now, what year did you? What was your first attempt at the hundred mile? What year was that? Oh, that that infamous year of 2018. Um, that okay. was that was a really interesting year. I I uh, I, I always say that in my hundred mile attempts, 
prior to this one, I, uh, the year one was my best effort. And physically, I was ready to run in 2018. Okay. Um, but mentally, I was not prepared for it. Um, in 2019, I was mentally prepared, but physically I went through such a, I went through such a down depression from, from the feeling of that failure going 72 miles and calling it quits with, Oh, I think I had 31 miles left on the race and I had like 12 hours to finish. And honestly, there was no reason for me to stop as I think about it even today, but you can't change that past. Um, so then 2018 was my first attempt, got 72 miles in, um, and I mean, I just learned so much in that race, and, and uh, I, God, I just, you know. I, I like how we, you always call 72 miles a failure. I, I know. That's, that's not, <laughs> isn't that crazy? That's just amazing. For your first attempt, that's, wow. Well, I mean, miles. I mean, I did, I did come up with an, another like saying too, as I was thinking about this today, I said, failure is feedback for improvement and growth. And, uh, yeah. So like I, 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 a lot of people hate the word failure and see it as such a negative term. Um, but for me, failure meant a time for growth, a time for improvement, figure out what changes I need to make to make it happen. And so honestly, I went into 2019 Superior thinking I had everything and I had everything in charge except I didn't train. So <laughs> um, by the time I had gotten there, I I had I never uh, I never ran more than a 27 mile run. Um, actually, I, I did, and I did five weeks prior to that. I did Badger. Uh, Badger 100k, Badger Trail 100k down in uh, really, really southwest Wisconsin, and then went into Illinois uh, with 10 Junk Miles podcast. They had their little race down there, so I did the 100k down there, and that's a flat, flat, flat race. And I got down that 100k, and I was tore apart because that was the longest run I had done in about a year. Oh. And uh, it was at that point that um i looked at people and i said yeah i don't think superior is gonna happen if flat kills me like this there's no way i'm doing those hills and i got cut off at tatagouche um that year but that was a that was a really a learning experience for me as well um and i uh, yeah they're both failures but then they're not they're not a negative failure they're just they just didn't i didn't get the goal i intended so um gotta grow from those and i did yeah, and I think what I've kind of learned from the sport is it's more important to have an experience. Like, we always want to have a good time, but sometimes an experience is better than a good time. I don't know. It just sticks with you more. I don't know. That's, yeah. That's how I think of it. Though. And on ultra running, there's no better experience than ultra running. I mean, you just get the everything. Um, and that's really what keeps bringing me back to running longer and longer distances. Um, but to be honest with you, I needed 2020. A lot of people see 2020 as this negative thing, and I needed it. I reset. I reset everything. I uh, was still going through my rut even until May, and then um, actually my job started doing this thing called Sandler sales training, and I was like, oh boy, I gotta go through another sales training. But all right, so I go through this and. It's actually a it's actually a, a a complete mindset change, and they change how you think about sales, how you do about sales, but they more or less went in the psychology. And one day we're sitting in there, and I was I was three days of no running, no exercise. I was in the I was in this complete rut, 
uh, still from COVID. And I, I really was trying to find what my love for running was. And um, they said something. I'll never forget what they said. They said, um, find your one thing you can do today that will control whatever else you can do today. Just find one thing you can control and do and be successful at it. Wow. And, and it was at that moment, it was like such a simple like, oh, duh right yeah and then it was on may 19th that that was said and on may 20th i made the i made a i made i signed myself a contract and said uh, i'm gonna run every day at least a mile until i finish and i did say superior 100 um but i, I kind of nixed it at my first 100 mile race because i wasn't necessarily in the best of um abilities after mines of spain but um, so I did 514 days straight before that b- before that race um, of a mile a day every wow. day, but that mindset change uh, really started everything. So it was May 20th, 2020, that really like brought my love back for running um, in a real real way, and it was all because of a work. Those work seminars that we usually yeah. sleep through. Yeah. yeah, but it was just that moment of just saying the one thing I, I remember control. The controllables and it was at that moment i was like all right i can control this i'm gonna control that because everything else right now is a mess and i just need one thing that i can focus on and i can i know i can go out and do a mile a day so i'm gonna do that wow so you did it for 514 days yeah nothing compared to andy's six and a half years but you know oh uh, they're all <laughs> All you streakers are. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and I just started my streak again. I'm on day three, so I don't really think it's much of a streak. But I started November first um, after this injury cleared out. So yeah, we're ba- we're back we're right back at it. So. so yeah, so I like those streaks running because you know sometimes you find yourself running in jorts or, I don't know, <laughs> or, uh, or Chuck Taylors or something. But yeah, there was one day I didn't even have shoes. So I just ran barefoot, just like you would, and I just, just ran, like me. Yeah, I just ran barefoot through the trails, um, and got my mile in, and then I was like, "Where the heck are my shoes?" <laughs> <laughs> that's um, like, um, that's one thing. I was just watching for inspiration. I was watching the Rocky training scenes the other day. Yeah, you gotta do that. And uh, he's wearing Chuck Taylors when he runs up the when he does his most famous. That's my favorite scene in a movie when he runs up the stairs, the Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, He's wearing Chuck Taylors, and I tried doing that. I just tried running. You know how runners are usually nice, like they'll wave to you when you say, mm-hmm. I was running in Chuck Taylors just to see. I was going to, had a crazy idea. I was going to run a marathon in Chuck Taylors. Mm-hmm. And uh, other runners do not wave to you when you wear Chuck Taylors. They just kind of avert their eyes. It's just... You know, I, I ran up those stairs. Oh, um, no I way. Did, yeah, because I did Philadelphia Half Marathon uh, well, 2017, I think. I, we did Philly. And right that leads you right to the stairs. So oh, is that where it finishes or something? Yeah, it basically finishes right at the stairs. So I just ran right through the oh. chute and ran right up the stairs. It was great. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And they have, uh, Philadelphia Marathon has a... Um, they have... They have what's called the Rocky Challenge. I wish I would have done it. I wasn't. I wasn't crazy enough that year to do the half marathon the day before and then the marathon after the day after. Oh yeah, I've always been intrigued by that. I always wish they'd put the half marathon after the marathon. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. And the funny thing is, I was glad I did it because the half marathon that uh, at Philly was um, was like beautiful. We had like 
55 degree weather. It was like clear, clear skies. The next day, cold, rain, windy, possibility of snow, uh, 32 degrees, and they're running in it, and windy everywhere on the marathon course. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad I'm just cheering today. They, good job, guys. Oh. oh, it was so miserable for them. Oh. So then how, so that brings us to what we're here, here to kind of recap. Mm-hmm. Um, Mines of Spain 100 in Dubuque, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you come across that? Uh, it's a weird one. Um, it's a really weird story. Uh, so I was on Facebook last year and, uh, Kate Lee actually put on her Facebook page that she finished a hundred mile when I was finishing Wild Duluth 50k. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't know any hundred miles were going on. And she says, this mines of Spain race. And I said, well, I know Iowa doesn't shut down for COVID. Um, so it came around this year and I was like, I don't know if I'll get into Superior one. I don't know if Superior is going to be going on, but... I really want this hundred mile to get done. I want to. I want to get over this hump. It's time. So I'm sitting there, January five, I think, is when I signed up for it. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there holding my breath, and uh, Jen's like looking, like looking at me. She goes, "What is your problem?" And I said, "Just, just hold on." And I close my eyes and I click the button and I said, "Did it go?" And she goes, "What?" I go, "Did I just waste my money?" Uh, and she goes, waste? And I said, yeah, I signed up for a 100-miler. And she goes, okay, we're at it then. And I said, yeah, we're at it. And then she goes, which one? I said, it's called Mines of Spain. And she's like, we're going to Spain? I go, no. <laughs> it's a little race in Dubuque, Iowa. And it's only been there for about four years. Okay. Um, this was its fourth year, I think. It might have been its fifth year. Um, but... Uh, the, the coincidentally i went to school i went to college right across the river from there so i was actually kind of familiar with the, the the terrain um and i was like all right let's do it let's let's go down to dubuque let's let's have some fun let's go on the mississippi river and and explore the cliffs and everything that are there it ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise um that i found that i found this race late in 2020 you know um, but uh, yeah, it was a great race, well held. You, you wouldn't believe it's brand new. I mean, with how the aid stations were, huh. were sourced, um, it was like going to. It, it's not superior, but it was like the aid stations were like superior. You had food galore. They were handing out fireball shots. Um, <laughs> it was wonderful. You know, just everything you want in a hundred mile race. Just pure sanity, insanity. Wow. Um, it was great. We had about hundred and. I think we had 103, 100 mile starters, and then they have a 100k race that was another. Uh, I think they had another 110, 100k starters. So it's a good time out there. So, so this is the second podcast where we've mentioned fireball shots. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I was looking. So is it like five 20 mile laps? Is that what it was? Yeah, it, it's kind of an awkward race um, as far as how it's done. It is a loop. It's 20 mile loops, if you want to call it that. So it's like I, I as I did it. Through my second or third time, I'm like, this is really just a, a, a series of out and back. So you do you do an out and back, an out and back, an out and back, uh, three different three different spots, and you have an and then you come back to the original spot, and then you kind of do this loop that ends up kind of coming back to the same spot, and then you go back to the finish start. So you do like four or five kind of series of out and backs to get mm. to your final locations. So 
the cool thing is is you're never alone really so you always oh, have wow. someone passing by uh going the opposite direction or whatever the uncool thing is when it's nighttime and someone has a very bright headlamp and you start not being able to see <laughs> you can't flash a bright side. yeah yeah wow. i i mean i i was thinking to myself i picked the wrong headlamp everyone else had a much brighter headlamp out there so oh. I immediately went. I'm I'm immediately now shopping for a new headlamp. I'm like, there's gotta be a better one out there. I must be missing this. Oh, jeez. Okay. And and what's the terrain? It looked like it was like a river. Is it like yeah, Mississippi, it like Iowa, Mississippi? Okay. Yeah, so it's right on the Mississippi. So Dubuque is is actually this really cool little. I mean, it's a city, right up against the Mississippi River. The reason it ha- the mine of Spain has its name is because you're actually. Uh, the Spaniards mined for nickel and iron ore right there for many, many, many years. So when you're on the course, there's a chapel where they used to go to church. There's um, all these different monuments that you can go to. There's a lighthouse that, that's the monument for the man that kind of started Dubuque, uh, Julian Dubuque. And he, he has his little monument and his little lighthouse there. And you go on you, the, first route, the first lap. You take a little loop around that monument. It's the only time you have to do that. Um, but uh, so there's all this like really cool historical stuff just mm. on this trail. And so, um, you know, you got to take it in uh, as best as you can. And that, you know, that was cool. So, yeah, it's a series of I, I started joking about the third lap. I said, I think this needs to be called the Mines of Stairs. Um, there oh, wow. are so many stairs. It's kind of... It's kind of a fool you. So you climb like 14,000 feet. And in the last, like, I want to say in the last, like, six miles, you, you climb probably close to 500 stairs every time. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my pacer, my last loop, uh, Vanya, she says to me, she goes, I should have done the Stairmaster before <laughs> coming out here. And oh. I was like... Yeah, I started thinking that too at some point. So I started joking. I was like, "Mines is ba- no, it's a mines stairs because they're mines. Oh. There's stairs everywhere." But it was great. I mean, honestly, it, it's a great race. And like I said, it's it's close. It's it's a great prepper. Um, for me, it was a it was a break of a mindset that said, um, "This is this is maybe something that's never going to happen." And I really, I really needed that. Um, I actually didn't know if I was going to try again. Um, that's, that's how much I, I needed this victory. Um, it was one of those things that drove me, it's driven me to sickness. It's, it's, it's kept me up at night. Um, sometimes goals are so stupid <laughs> that you just don't know why. Um, but I was in the very starts of this training... And I heard uh, this song, and I was like, all right, it's meant to be. Because I'm like in week two, and I just have a random stream on on my iTunes uh, you know, list, and uh, it's called Waking Lions. And in the song, just randomly, it says, uh, I want to stand 100 feet tall, because fear will never lead my way. And then the next line just shocked me. I rewounded like six or seven times. And then he says... I'm ready to run a hundred miles strong because <laughs> I will never be the same. Whoa. And uh, I was like, what? <laughs> Who says that? Who says that in a song? Who says I'm going to run a hundred miles? Wow. Um, and uh, 
I went home and I played it for Jen and I was like, listen to this song. Listen to what he says. start to say I think it's meant to be and it's gonna happen um but that that's the refrain of the song I, I mean it's just yeah wow. <laughs> so okay so now this is good when I went so so now you you had run this uh, 73 miles before mm-hmm. as you're running the Mines of Spain 100 did you ever like did it click in that like oh my god I'm gonna finish like did you let your mind go there at any point in the race did you feel um, it um I got done with loop four. Um, my pacer was actually a Dubuque local who I'd never uh, actually even met in my life until that day. His name was Rob, and he had finished uh, it. In, he'd finished Mines of Spain either his first or second year of its of its you know of its coming, and um, I said to Rob as we're climbing the hill, even I said, I don't know how I'm gonna finish this fifth loop, and we looked down at the watch. I looked down my watch. And uh, he goes, what's the cutoff again? I go, 5 p.m. And he goes, what time is it now? And I said, it's like 8, 10. And he goes, it's just one more loop, man. Just one more loop. Just get it done. And then he starts singing Hamilton to me <laughs> out there. And he goes, one more time. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're going to sing Hamilton. You're going to sing the end verse from the first act of Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> so one last time. And he goes, it's something like that, man. I'm like, oh, you got it. You got it perfectly. And so we're climbing up. And the last part of this hill is a like a three quarters of a mile hill. You got to climb uphill on this little bike path to get to the finish line or to the start finish line. So you climb that. Uh, four times and he's he's kind of singing this to me one last time one last time the we get to the finish line and we get to the start finish of the fourth loop and i was tore apart my my blisters were bad um and i got that fourth loop and jen pulls me aside and she and she's patching me up and she goes you're gonna get this you're gonna get this you're gonna get it you're gonna get it and i'm thinking to myself yeah i'm i I know i'm gonna do it i'm having my breakfast right now i'm having eggs and a waffle and it's delicious and um and i just screamed because i was in i thought my nightmare is coming true i'm not gonna be able to go again because the blisters were getting bad but we got the shoes we got new socks on and we got new shoes on and i um, Vanya said, all right, here we go. And, um, and we, we get going on that last loop and, you know, we, we start that down that, that three quarter mile hill because I go down it when you're heading out. And, uh, I said to Vanya, I said, all right, just keep me at 25 minutes per mile or better. I don't care. That's all we need. 25 minute mile or better. I can do that in my sleep. I'm literally going to be doing this in my sleep. Um, because I'm so tired, but we're going to get it done. So we're hitting aid station one, hit aid station two, go back to aid station one. And it was when I hit aid station three that the reality kicked in. I'm going to finish this. Um, and aid station three is four miles away from the finish line. 
and um and we had a thing going where at, at the la at aid station three uh for the first three times i sent a text that said four miles out because there wasn't really a way to track uh, very well i guess i found out later there was like a google sheets that they were filling out as we came across with our time and everything. So all my swimmers, all my master swimmers were tracking me. And uh, there were so many people that said, like, we're tracking you. And I was like, oh, how? Um, but mile four, Rob did it. And then mile, mile or lap five, Vanya did it. And, um, and it was at that point I said, all right, we got some stairs to do. Because, like I said, the last about five miles is almost all stairs. Or it feels that way. Um, we got some stairs to do. But... You know, I looked down my watch, and I had like three hours. It was a little over three hours to finish four four point three miles. And I said, "All right, all right, that's like a mile an hour, just a little over a mile an hour." Vanya, and I said this to Vanya. I go, "Vanya, we're gonna get this." And it was at that moment that it finally clicked. Um, wow. So then, yeah. So then we're climbing those hills, and and I and I and I, you know, eyes down head down nose to the grind grindstone um and we're coming up we're coming up that last hill and i and i said to vanya i said we got it we, we got it and that's when my light that's when the true light hit right like we got it there's 31 hours on the on the on the race or 31 50 on the race clock there's no way that i can't get up this hill and you know it was like less than a mile in an hour, essentially. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, we climbed, we climbed, we climbed, we climbed. I told Vanya, I go tell him I'm going to be there at 3220 on the, on the time. No, no more, no, you know, no more than 3220 on the total race clock. Cutoff's 33 hours, but I'm coming in around, around 32 uh, and change. And uh, uh, <laughs> he, you, I just got to the finish line, and um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was real, man. Uh, wow! And I still like I'm still tearing up. <laughs> well, like, I, so here's I took stole this quote off your social media. You said, um, um, "A journey towards the hundred mile finish in Dubuque, Iowa." I'm still processing the whole thing. All I know is hard work pays off. The tears were real. Per, per, perseverance. Perseverance yeah. cannot be overlooked. And a willingness to fail can be overwhelming when failure becomes part of your journey. So what did you mean by that? Uh, willingness to fail can be overwhelming when failure becomes part of your journey. Um, that goes back to 2018. Um, I finished that 72 miles and... Um, I had to grip it. Um, I had to really grab onto it. I literally went to therapy for almost a year now. <laughs> and this was the discussion of how do I stop feeling like a failure? How do I stop feeling? How, how do I feel like I'm worthy of things? Um, how do I stop feeling like I'm a failure? Because I felt like at that point in my life in 2018 at 72 miles, I had failed a marriage. I had failed myself. Um, and I was super down. And um, I, <laughs> I went in 2019 trying to, you know, force it. And I couldn't force it. 
but I had to be willing to accept that failure as my reality and it, and it was a part of my journey and it was overwhelming to me to realize that some things uh, won't come easy to me I, I, I until I did a hundred mile race I always felt like things found their way into my lap and that was the first time I think I've actually had to oh, there's been maybe one other time where I felt like I had to truly work hard to accomplish something and I just felt like it was such a message to people wow that's amazing so yeah wow so <laughs> that's what I said like and like he's again just saying 72 miles is a failure that's just amazing too this pure 100 yeah Wow. Well, there was a lot of failures in that year, or I felt at that point in time. I've reset, I've reframed that mindset, but um, at that time, that was definitely true. And, you know, a few of the books I'd listened to at that time, because I, I listen more than I read books, because I'm, I'm, I'm an audible guy, but, um, you Me know, too. yeah, there, there were just, uh, there was just a couple moments in time that finally got me back, so... Um, but really, I, I had to, I'm not joking, I've, I, I've battled through so much in my life. And, and, and uh, my therapist said something to me that uh, I never thought about, and this was probably about six months ago, and it rang in my brain as I'm coming close to the finish line. And she said, um, Derek, you've, you've got so much strength, and yet you don't realize it. You've... Uh, you went through an abusive family life and um, you've been through darker times and you're going to be out on, out on that course. And I'm surprised up until this day that you have never used that as part of your inspiration to get done. And uh, I said, yeah, I just, I just never thought of it that way. And uh, so I, I, I gripped, I finally gripped that darkness um, that's been, haunting me for since I you know since I can remember um but you had to fail <laughs> you know yeah. you have to fail yeah I think that's that's part of the journey right I mean it's not the not the finish line it's the trials and tribulations we go on the way and what better way to illustrate it than running 100 miles yeah and then she says and then my therapist says to me after she sees the medal she goes oh I don't think this is a recommended therapeutic way of getting over stuff but she goes, I can tell there's someone new, and that's really cool, wow. you know. And and I feel that way too. I mean, it was it, it tr truly like I will never be the same. I mean, that was just ugh. wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, congratulations, man! That's just amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I, I I don't sometimes even know what to say. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that that's kind of my hundred mile journey. The the mines of Spain is it, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna last. I got that belt buckle. I got a belt. I've been wearing it to work occasionally. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's gonna look good with your hoodie when you eventually. Oh. So that so what's next for you after? Is do you have any plans? I mean, you don't have to, but. Um, yeah, there's always, there's always plans. I, I guess, um, when my swimmers were taking me out for my, uh, celebratory drink that they, they did, my adult swimmers, my master swimmers, 
apparently I promised one of my swimmers I'll be doing a triathlon if she signs up for one. So that's in my plan. I mean, I've done an Ironman, so it shouldn't be a problem. But I was just like, oh, I signed up. I guess I'm signing up for a try of some sort. So that's in the makings. Um, Next year, I want to try to scratch off a state. I want to try to at least scratch off another state. So my goal is to do a a race. And it doesn't matter what the distance is, but my goal is to do a race in every state. And that's a big... And I'm like, I've done Iowa, obviously. I've done Illinois. I've done Wisconsin. I've done Minnesota. I've done South Dakota. I've done North Dakota. I've done uh, Pennsylvania. I've done Colorado. I'm really like aching like for a, a trip to Washington, um, Washington State, uh, uh, but that might not be in the makings quite yet. Um, it might be closer to home, but that I, would be beautiful. Yeah, there. I, I, be, yeah. I really, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to run the mountains. Uh, it might be Utah. I, I somewhere like I would like to try to get over there. You know, what? I think you should, have you ever heard of Adventure? It's out of Duluth. Talking about Duluth, an adventure running company. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they do Utah and Washington. And I'm trying to get someone to go with me. We should do that sometime. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a very specific race that's outside of the states that I was thinking about doing next year. But as we were trying to plan it out, uh, I just I was like, I don't think it's quite in the cards yet. But Squamish is is a dream race of mine. If you've ever heard of Squamish, I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So, so Gary Robbins, one of my one of my ultra running inspirations. He's he's one of the reasons that I grip failure in such a positive way. But he's a Canadian runner. He's finished Hard Rock one. He actually had the course record on Hard Rock one hundred for a while. He had oh. the Wonderland the Wonderland Trail, which is around Mount Rainier. He had the FKT out there for a while. Um, He's done the. He's tried to finish the Barclays three times, and he's failed three times, and he's still going back again. And I just, um, but Gary runs that race in Squamish, and I said to everybody, I said I just need to hug Gary Robbins, so he knows how important he's been to me. And I know he doesn't know me, and he, you know, it, it will mean more to me than him. But um, yeah, Gary is. Uh, Gary is just one of those guys you just you, you, you can't help but love and he's one of those really humble trail runners and there's so many of them out there but he's just one of the many that has inspired me um, in a lot of ways wow. oh one thing that, that really yeah no I think the one thing that uh, I wanted to say is just like you know I couldn't have done this on my own so obviously um, my crew Jen Moeller uh, Natalie and Will Moeller, uh, and Lori Steinbauer and John Phillips, um, very important. And, and get yourself a good crew. Always get yourself <laughs> a good crew. Um, my Pacers, Vanya uh, Morales and Rob Livo, they they are also very important to this. And then uh, everyone else that that's been out there, it's really I, I, I try to find one thing every day that I'm gracious for, and I, I'm just gracious for this running community that we have here in Minnesota because um, there's always been support there. And even when I was in my lowest of lows, there's been someone there that said like, oh, no, you got this, Derek. Um, and and that's that's just something that you can't overstate. So so that – oh, that's – so you, you know that question was coming. This is the question I ask everybody. So, Derek, who or what inspires you? Well, there's a there's a lot of who's that inspire me. Um, and, and I covered some of those names already. Um, 
the biggest inspirations I have are the local trail runners that we have here in the state that I get to see out there on Sunday, Saturday mornings doing their thing. Um, Maria Barton, <laughs> she she's great. Um, uh, Todd Rowe, th- those two are always out in Lebanon cheering me on for whatever reason. Uh, very important. Kathy Jamber used to be out there a lot with me. She hasn't been so much lately. Um, and, and then an old school guy, his name is Jeff Bostel. Uh, I've talked about him. Uh, these people are really important. And then you had Andy on last week and Andy and Erica and I have a weird story in the fact that the first time we met was at Black Hills, uh, 50k. So we were way out of the state when we met each other <laughs> for the first time. Um, and of course my mom and Jen really inspire me in a lot of different ways and my coffee group. <laughs> my coffee group you gotta is have a coffee group yeah it's my coffee group of Lori Ray Pete Akiko who you've had on here as well yeah she's um, great Kiki they're, they've all been they've all been the world to me and Lori you know has made trips and she calls herself my Sherpa for a reason <laughs> to every 100 mile race for me and it's just great and now we play pickleball and everything else but those people <laughs> really inspire me and of course the people fighting the good fight um uh, against uh, terminal illnesses, whether it's cancer or whatever, when I'm out there running and I feel like I can't take another step or whatever, I think of them. And in particular, recently, um, one of my poker buddies, Brian Torito, um, he's fighting his third battle with lung cancer. Oh. And um, and I ran a lot of it for him. And I told him that. I said, buddy, this was for you. And he said, that's so cool. And we haven't gotten a chance to play poker yet. So when I see him, we'll get a big hug, I'm sure. But that's what really inspires me. People, the people out there fighting the good fight, no matter if it's running or day to day. All right. Well, Derek, you've been an inspiration. Hopefully this podcast will be an inspiration to others. I, I know it will be. It's quite a journey you've been on. And I'd just like to thank you for joining me today. Oh, I thank you. And you're doing great. I, I love this podcast. I, I was telling you before we got on that this is great. I, you're doing great stuff. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah. And the, the, the whole thing for this podcast is just to get people like you on, that people people should hear your story. And that's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast, just for the people like that I've had on and others I have on in the future. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Derek. Well, I just want to thank Derek again for giving me that wonderful interview. I hope everybody learned some inspiration from that. And I'm just going to go over the music credits one more time. That song that inspired Derek was from Pop Evil. That's called Waking the Lions. And that's really incredible, the lyrics they have integrated in there. Um, And then the song (laughs) they got through, The One Last Time, The One Last Lap, that's One Last Time from the Hamilton soundtrack. And that's, remember when George Washington's telling Hamilton he's not going to run for another term? That's why they sing that in the second act there. And then again, we started the show out with uh, Iowa by Dar Williams. And I I think I suggest Dar Williams to everyone. She's just got a beautiful voice. So I want to, I'm going to let everybody go. And I just wanted to encourage everybody to uh, call up or text your one friend that you always go out and enjoy the trails with, but you haven't talked to him in a while. You know, it's been a long time since you talked to him. So uh, everybody reach out to that one friend or friends and uh, just go ahead out on the trails, bike, uh, hike, or paddle with them. And uh, so 
Tim and Troy, I'm, you'll be hearing from me by the time you hear this podcast. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. And we're going to hit the outro music. Until next time.